Before we get into today's episode, if you're listening to this podcast and you don't know by now, we're here to tell you that hockey has returned to ESPN. The NHL season has started back up, and that means you can stream your team's games on ESPN+. Plus, From the Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning to the brand new Seattle Kraken. Subscribe to ESPN Plus so you don't miss a goal. Also, get the inside scoop on the biggest NBA news and hear from the stars on and off the court on the Woj Pod. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. In the crease, the ESPN NHL podcast with Linda Cohn and Emily Kaplan. Welcome to another edition of In the Crease. Emily Kaplan, I'm Linda Cohn. Thanks for listening. Before we get to Ryan Getzloff, who had a big announcement this week, uh, let's talk about his team, the Anaheim Ducks, making news. Uh, Not, well, they're making news because the Arizona Coyotes got under their skin, and I, for one, wasn't happy about the way this was handled. Emily, I'm going to toss it to you first. You have the floor first or the ice first to describe what the heck was going on between the Ducks and Coyotes in a game that really meant nothing. So Linda, at the end of the game, there's a scrum. It's up five, nothing by the Coyotes. And you see Jay Beagle of the Arizona Coyotes pretty much beat up Troy Terry. It was, you know, we see these scrums, they get physical, but he was going at them. And then if you're listening to the broadcast, here's what Coyotes announcer Tyson Nash had to say about it. Uh, That's the problem sometimes with these young players. You want to embarrass guys? And you want to skill it up, you better be prepared to get punched in the mouth. And that incensed a lot of people, Linda. And uh, I have a lot of thoughts on it, and I know you do too, and it seemed to get the hockey world talking. The biggest misconception in all of this, though, Jay Beagle didn't beat up Troy Terry because they did the Michigan or these skilled plays. He was upset, and he retaliated with violence because they poked his goaltender when they were up five, nothing, which is against the code of the game. I just think that Tyson Nash's instinct to automatically assume this is the punishment you get for these type of plays. If you're a skilled player, that's not cool. And that's not cool in today's NHL. And honestly, it's a dinosaur take because if you go to ranks across North America, all you see is kids these days trying the Michigan and watching hours of YouTube videos of how to get their skills up. We're not getting away from this. This is where the game is going. Players are going to start doing this in games more and more. We need to figure out ways to adapt. But as you mentioned, it wasn't about that, okay? But that's how it was perceived. That was the optics. And that's why social media went crazy. And I tweeted out with those, you know, stupid comments by Tyson Nash saying, this is, it's prehistoric. It's not 1974. I was alive in 1974. And that's what it was like. Yes, the future of our game is young talent like Troy Terry, like Trevor Zegers with his beautiful trick Michigan goals. But it was unnecessary. It was unfortunate. Here's the other thing. And this is what I said on the radio as well. You know, Jay Beagle, you know, maybe I'm going to give him a little benefit of the doubt. When he realized perhaps after the second punch, it was Troy Terry who, oh, by the way, you don't have to just land on this planet to realize Troy Terry has never dropped the gloves, okay? He was, to his credit, staying in that scrum to help out his teammates and defending himself. That that's when Jay Beagle, and I've seen it before, Emily, with other players who use their fists to make a point, when they realize the guy they're fighting is not a fighter, after a first couple of punches, then they'll just hold on to the jersey, right? 
and they'll wait for the linesman to break it up. Chip Beagle didn't do that. He had a problem. Here's another thing, and I heard this from somebody, and I love the idea. I think we need to have a penalty for excessive fighting. Now, hear me out. There's a gray area there, okay? You don't have to, and Jay Beagle didn't have to pound Troy Terry. He should have been, he should have gone to penalty for what there was, what we would like to call excessive fighting. And let that be the decision by the officials on the ice, because something has to be done. You know, the NFL changes rules like that. I'm not saying the NHL should be exactly like the NFL, and I'm not saying the NFL is perfect in everything they do. They're far from it. But when they see something that doesn't fit their game or is dangerous to the game or hurts their game, what do they do? They modify a rule. They change a rule. This is dangerous. Troy Terry could have been seriously hurt. Seriously hurt. And the NHL so cares about concussions and all of this stuff and high hits and blah, blah, blah. They should be concerned about this. And here's another thing I'm going to throw out, Emily. If it wasn't Troy Terry of the Ducks, let's say it was, you know, Sidney Crosby with the history of concussions that was on the other end, or a Temi Panarin who's had concussions, okay? Would there be more outrage, more uproar than what the world, the hockey world has expressed after this incident? Great questions all around. I love the idea for excessive fighting penalties because it's interesting to me. I'm grappling with, does fighting still have a place in the game? Because physicality and toughness and being hard to play against, those are hallmarks of being a hockey player, and those have a place in the game. And if you look at teams that are gearing up for long playoff runs, what have they added around? They've added those attributes. Yeah. Look at the Tampa Bay Lightning and, you know, some of the ads they Look made at the Wild. Them. Look at the Wild. They got Nick Delorier. He would have been there for the Ducks and pounded Jay Biggles' head in. Completely. And you see uh, Timu Salami. Uh, another great example, by the way, is the Rangers, who felt like they needed toughness to get over the bunch of the hump to protect these young players, which leads me to Timu Salani, who tweeted out basically, the Ducks need some tough guys to protect these young guys. And it's interesting. And I wonder, do we need that? Is there a place for that? And there's some. I just I just don't know quite what. Um, they had yeah. them. They had them. They got rid of them at the trade deadline. Which is, you know, what's interesting too. remember last year with our Temi Panarin and Tom Wilson, when we were all upset about that incident, the Rangers had tough guys too, like Brendan Lemieux. They got rid of him at the trade deadline. It, it's head shaking. But bottom line is this. I really hope uh, this is an issue that isn't just swept under the rug, um, that it continues and people continue to talk about it. So we don't forget and move on to the next thing. No, great point, Linda. And, you know, the timing of this was interesting because it happened right after the GMs all left the GM meetings in Florida. And in those meetings, there's agenda items that are usually topical. And, you know, it's officiating or what's going on in the league. And I guarantee you, if this happened a week earlier, that would have been on the agenda and maybe we would have seen a change. So we'll see what happens with it. We do get into this topic with our next guest and I'll introduce him now. And now we are so grateful for this guest to join us. It was a really big week for him. He is synonymous with the Anaheim Ducks franchise, where he is their all-time leading scorer in the regular season and postseason. Played 17 years there, the last, I believe, 10, maybe 11 as a captain. And he is going to retire after this season. And it's Ryan Getzloff. 
Ryan, you did your press conference yesterday as we record this and uh, you got emotional and you started tearing up and I heard that you weren't expecting your parents to be there, uh, but the ducks surprised you. Can you just walk us through some of the emotions that you were experiencing as maybe this all kind of reality setting in? Yeah, it was uh, very emotional. I didn't, uh, I didn't really plan on that. I thought I was just talking to the media yesterday. I didn't realize it was going to be this big spectacle. So um, that was a, a bit of a shock for me, but obviously enjoyed it. Um, was very thankful to have my family and everybody there. Um, but yeah, it was very emotional being able to talk about things. And it's only one of the only times you actually sit and reminisce and get a chance to thank people that have uh, really helped me throughout my career. You know, uh, what struck me among, and it was, it was just the whole thing was very moving. Uh, but what struck me was when you flash back to the trade deadline back in 2021, and you said you sat with your wife, Paige, and you guys talked about what could be leaving the ducks because there were plenty of offers for your services. Can you talk to us about what that process was like and why that was so difficult? Yeah, it was. It was kind of a weird thing. Obviously, the the year was weird in general with the COVID situation and playing without fans and all that kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, when we first talked about going somewhere, it was more based on um, the fact that it was such a weird year and there wasn't a lot going on and we were all kind of locked up anyway. So um, we thought it might be an opportunity to help, you know, try and win another Stanley cup or something like that. Um, but the more we thought about it, the more we went through it, um, having a chance to, to stay with one franchise was more important to me and my wife. And, uh, but we spent a couple of sleepless nights going into that. That's for sure. I love the way that you're doing this, that you're now towards the end of the season and you're injured right now, but your goal is to play a few more games, including the last home game. So you get to smell your flowers and it must <laughs> be kind of overwhelming the last 24 hours of just the amount of people who have reached out. So I want to know if you could share with us maybe some of the more random or funny uh, messages that you've received. <laughs> I've got, honestly, I haven't got a ton of funny ones. Uh, been <laughs> very heartfelt messages. And um, I can't tell you how much I appreciate hearing from people and hearing from ex teammates and stuff. Cause you know, like I said yesterday, that's the stuff that I'll always remember um, is being in the locker room with those guys and competing against other guys. I've got messages from guys from other teams and stuff like that. So um, it's really, uh, really a blessing to have that kind of surrounding me right now. I love the story also that on draft day, so many years ago, you're with your dad and, and, you know, your dad asked you, or it just comes up, which team do you want to go to? And you said Toronto, and then your dad pointed out, well, they don't have a first round pick son. So where do you want to go? And you said something warm, someplace <laughs> warm. And your dad said, yeah, it kind of worked out, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he uh, he remembers some of the things that I don't have a clue about. But um, you know what? Those are those are great memories for him that we got to spend at the draft and, and going through that whole process. So um, sadly enough, my memory doesn't last that long, but I'm glad his does. Ryan, I feel like one of the big themes of the season has been these young, skilled players coming in and doing some daring things during games. And like the poster boy of that, of course, has been Trevor Zegers, who's your teammate. And hanging out with Trevor this year, um, one of the things that struck me in talking to him was just how supported he felt by you. And I was thinking, you know, you're such an old school guy. I, I view you as an old school captain. Maybe you view yourself differently. Um, and, you know, we have all this discourse, the Tyson Nash comments. You better get prepared to punch, get punched in the face if you skill it up. I'm just curious, like, where you view your role in kind of bridging that gap between the old school and the new school. 
Yeah, it's it's been a role. It's definitely been a process. I've uh, I've had to talk to certain people on how to uh, to get some ideas on how to lead in different ways, and um, the way we used to do things um, just doesn't work anymore with the kids these days and what they need and um, and the support that they need around them and underneath them when they're trying to come up. And um, so that was kind of an emphasis for me over the last probably two years. Um, I think started to notice such a big difference and in the way kids came into the league, the way they wanted to play um, and the way they reacted to criticism or, uh, or, or the building of, um, of their character. So I think they all react differently, but there's definitely been a changing of the guard. And I am definitely an old school uh, guy. I grew up in that kind of a game and, um, and that kind of an atmosphere, but it's just not, uh, not the way of the world right now and not the way that you got to lead these guys. You know, how do you think uh, Z handled him his situation? I mean, me personally, uh, I loved how he spoke with passion, spoke to the media about what Jay Beagle did to Troy Terry. And obviously you guys didn't have a full roster. Uh, you know, all the so-called tough guys, you know, are on other teams now. So I'd love to hear your opinion on that, uh, because if ever there was a sign of great leadership and a player that cares about his team, Trevor Zegers showed me that in that moment. Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely a time and place for everything. Um, I, I actually didn't see Trevor's press conference, to tell you the truth. Um, but I do know um, that Trevor competes. He, he loves his teammates and he loves what guys do. Um, I think that our group showed a lot of character, even just Troy going in there like that. That was that's not in his makeup. Um, like we lost a little of our team toughness um, at the trade deadline. But uh, we still have plenty of guys in the room that can take care of each other and um, and that stuff's going to happen throughout different points in your career and different stuff, but um, there's ways of dealing with it. And, and, you know, the group will be able to do that going forward. Brian, I had dinner with your agent, uh, Jerry Johansson recently, and um, he is a great guy. And he told me you're a car guy now, a big car guy, but maybe back in the day you weren't. And he told me a great story of when you went to the senior prom, you had to borrow a car. So I was yeah. wondering, might be willing to share that story with the listeners because I had a pretty good time listening to it. Yeah. I'm sure Jerry told it a little bit better than me, but <laughs> yeah, no, I went, uh, I went back to my hometown after I was playing junior for a couple of years. Um, I just hired Jerry as my agent and uh, I got one of the girls asked me to go to uh, the, well, I was the year end formal thing or whatever the heck it is at graduation. And, um, I thought that I would ask my agent if I could use his Escalade, which was a really big thing at the time. Uh, nobody in my hometown had an Escalade, that's for sure. So instead of grabbing a limo, we did, uh, I did the Escalade and he brought it down for me. Jerry's always great like that. That's cool. Yeah. So what's, you know, so Ryan, what's next front office? And if that's something that intrigues you? Yeah, I think that there's a lot in the game that, that I love. Um, there's a lot of things, areas where I think I could be of value to an organization, if not this one. Um, my goal is to, you know, kind of look at those options after the end of the year, meet with some people, um, because I definitely, I want to stay involved in the game. Uh, I've loved this organization for 17 years, and um, I think that there's still value there uh, moving forward to get this group back to the Stanley Cup where we want to be. You know, as you look back in your career, you played against so many incredible players. It's been honestly generations. So I'm putting you on the spot. I was wondering if you could think the three players that you feel like you had the biggest battles with or were the toughest to go against. I never answer this question. I never want to give it. 
what? Okay, maybe the three players you or give me a hockey. No, I mean, obviously, our battles with LA were always great over the years. That was an organization that my first couple of years uh, wasn't very good, um, but they were tough. And so <laughs> we were always fighting up in that building or they were coming down here. And, uh, and then, all, then they got good and we were both good for many years there. So anyone you go into the playoffs with, um, we're going to have battles with, which was fun. That's a good diplomatic hockey answer. <laughs> I'm not trying to be diplomatic. I just don't remember specific players. Fair enough. It comes naturally, though, as a captain. You're used to guarded answers. I know. I've heard it. Um, you know, Ryan, what, I know it's, it, there's no date set, but it's going to happen. What is it going to mean when you and your family are on that ice looking up to the rafters and watching that number go up in Honda Center? Well, if I'm lucky enough to do that, it'll be a great day. Obviously, uh, I got to watch um, some go up in the rafters already that are people I looked up to when I was here, people I played with. Um, and so to have that happen would be, a, would be a great day for me and my family. Ryan, next year when you're taken away from the structure of hockey, there's no more training and practices and the grind of travel. What's the one thing you're just so excited to do? Golf. <laughs> I love golf. and I uh, yeah I, this year especially I haven't played much at all so I'm looking forward to getting back out there uh how about anything with the kids I mean have, have you know some are young some are a little bit older they get it what has been the some of the conversation with your children regarding hey daddy's gonna be home more yeah I don't know how excited they are or not but um no <laughs> my kids are uh they're growing and and you know what the the number one thing that I'm going to love is just going to watch them play different sports, everything that they're into. Um, they're all over the place right now, but it's such a, such a joy to go and watch your kids do those things. And um, I know my daughter's a little bit disappointed. She just recently started getting into hockey and she knows more of the stats than I do now. And she always wants to watch the game. So uh, we'll still be able to continue that, hopefully watching another group. And then just the last thing you just can reflect back. And if you think, what are the Anaheim Ducks in general just meant to you in your life? What, what would you say? Well, I mean, if you look at uh, what we grow up doing, I mean, I, I grew up wanting to be a hockey player. So, um, you know, as far as being able to live out my dream in one place, uh, it's meant the world to me. This organization, this fan base um, have been so good to me over the years. Um, we've enjoyed building a family here, growing a legacy, um, as well as being involved in the community so much. So, it's uh, this place means the world to me, and uh, I'm just so thankful to be able to retire here as an Anaheim Duck. Yeah, you are definitely going to be missed, and that's an understatement, Ryan. Uh, we are all looking forward to the Ducks are doing it right. Last home game of the season, April 24th, um, will be all about you, and uh, we can't wait to watch that and watch you and your family enjoy uh, that night, that moment when you get back and uh, with the team. So. Uh, Ryan, congrats, and we wish you so much greatness in your next chapter. Thank you so much. I appreciate it very much, you guys. Take care. Thanks, Ryan. Absolutely fabulous to have Ryan Getzloff on uh, with us. Uh, he is amazing, but, you know, he always is. He, you know, it's not, he's always a little bit guarded, right, Emily? Like, he's not going to name names and all this, but I know one name he, he, he brought it up in his press conference, but just a player – uh, that they live similar journeys, except he went to a few different teams and left the Ducks very close with Corey Perry. Uh, those two, what a terrific tandem when they were both on the Ducks. 
Uh, but that's a guy over the years that Ryan uh, has been tied to the hip with, just a, one of those close teammates that those two will always have a bond for the rest of their lives. I love that. And honestly, that entire 2003 draft class is just absurd. Um, and <laughs> there's still guys that are in the league and playing at a high level from that class. But just go and Google it and, and see the names because it's absolutely ridiculous. And um, it's sad that another one bites the dust. But um, what a career Ryan gets off had. Okay, Linda, I just want to talk quickly. I was in uh, Colorado last weekend uh, for our game. It was Penguins Avalanche on Saturday. And let me tell you, Linda, the ads are getting scary. Firstly, they just... They did great. They do great at home always. They beat the Penguins, who are a tough team to play against. And it's funny because everyone was holding their breath about Nate McKinnon when they, he got into that fight, right? So I got to talk to Nate before the game, and I asked him because it was such a relief that it wasn't a serious injury. I believe it's just a broken finger that he's playing through, and it's not that bad. Um, but everyone was holding their breath saying, did Nate McKinnon just jeopardize his playoffs by getting in a fight with Matt Dumba? Um, and he said, you know, the boys obviously um, appreciated that I was standing up for a teammate. But to be honest with you, Emily, I probably wouldn't have fought if Gabe Landeskog was there because that's right. his role, which I thought was interesting. Uh, and he laughed and he's like, you know, I think that's going to be my last fight of the season, um, which hopefully yeah. it is. But I just have to tell you, Linda, about these abs. They're the best team in the West by far. First team to clinch. They're, they're clear on favorite to make it through. And they're getting healthy at the right time. Landeskog will be back for the playoffs. I don't think we'll see him before that. Kadri will be back for the playoffs. Not sure if we'll see him before. He is in a really bad shape after that hit he took going into the boards. They said it was almost like he was in a car wreck. So there's a lot of upper body stiffness. Sam Gerrard's coming back. They got Bo Byram. Honestly, I would be terrified to play this team at full strength with the ads that they have. Is there anyone in the West that could be them? Maybe Calgary? especially if they get that goaltending from Jacob Markstrom. But Linda, it feels like it's Colorado Avalanches to lose. Yeah, I mean, uh, they have been one of the most consistent teams all season long. We both know that. They've been at the top of their division all year long. Um, you know, in the past, people would bring up, is their goaltending strong enough and good enough? Well, you know what? I said it before. I'll say it again. If Darcy Kemper stays healthy, it's more than good enough. He's a great goaltender, playing very well of late. You saw that firsthand. Um, there's, there's no problems in that department. They have to knock on wood though, every day that he stays healthy. And that's going to be the key for the avalanche. And currently they're in a great race for the president's trophy right now with, with the team that I want to talk about, which is the Florida Panthers in back-to-back -back games. They came back from four goals down in their respective games, evened it up and then won each game in overtime. Yes. In dramatic fashion. But then after the game, Jonathan Huberdo, congrats to him. The first Florida Panther ever to reach the 100-point plateau. What a superstar he is. Um, you know, he, he spoke about it. Andrew uh, Burnett spoke about it, the head coach, after the latest thrilling victory and the comeback as they did it against a not-too-shabby team, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, and, and I haven't even talked about the greatness of Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner, please, who scored in like 35 seconds apart a shorthanded goal and a power play goal. This guy, we'd be taught, you know, if there wasn't Dreisaitl and McDavid, we should be talking more about Matthews and Marner. And probably we still will be talking about those two, but I just want to give them a shout out, even in this loss, and I'm pumping up the Panthers. But uh, the Panthers just totally blow me away. But here's the question that I want to pose to you. 
And this is what concerns me. And you brought up the Calgary Flames. And a couple of weeks ago, I was all in on Calgary because of their head coach, because of their goaltending, because of their scoring. Um, everything's going well. But these teams that put the puck in the net during the regular season and put the puck in the net so well, and a lot of pucks go in the net, like Calgary, like Florida, um, even more so than Colorado, because, you know, they. what I love about the abs, Emily, they can win a 2-1 game any day mm-hmm. of the week, right? But these other teams... Toronto. So those are the three teams that come to my mind quickly that score tons of goals. Toronto, Calgary, Florida. Is this going to their kind of game? Is it going to um, work in a Stanley Cup playoff series? We know how the postseason changes, Emily. It's a big question. It's the biggest question around the Florida Panthers. And I just I I don't know the answer. So I'm just pivoting because that's what I do. You said that they put the puck in the net all the time. I watched something absurd that I'd never seen before at the end of a Florida Panthers game recently. It was last week. I can't remember. I think it was the, oh, I remember. It was the end of that Sabres game. I was just catching the end of it to see how they did. It was kind of tight late. They pull away. I think it's 4-2. They pull the goalie. Alexander Barkov comes to the net. He's got the clear open net, empty net. And do you know what he does? He bangs it into the boards because apparently he doesn't want any empty calorie uh, goals. Dude, I get it, but this is taking hockey guy way too far. I did not support it. Pat, your stats, man, what are you doing? What was your opinion of that? That is an outrage. Even (laughs) Alex Ovechkin pumps the net with empty net goals, and he's going for Gretzky's record. He's got no problem. He celebrated Austin Matthews' 50th. That was an empty netter. That was an empty netter, too. They'll take it. It all evens out. And that's another sneaky superstar that nobody talks about, uh, Mr. Barkoff with the Florida Panthers. Uh, just fun to watch. But, yeah, great point, Em. Somebody got to get in his ear and say, stop doing that. Stop doing it. All right, you said sneaky superstar, and that is the perfect transition because it's time for our five-minute major segment. Five-minute major. And now joining us for one of our favorite segments, Five Minute Major, is Brian Boucher. He is an analyst for ESPN's hockey coverage. And Brian, before we begin, you were a goaltender for a long time in this league. Did you ever serve a Five Minute Major? Never. Uh, not in the NHL. Uh, not in the NHL. I did have like a, a little dance with uh, with Curtis Joseph one game, but I don't think we got five minutes. <laughs> we we might have just got... We might have just got minors. Uh, I didn't know if I should fight in that situation because uh, John Van Beesburg had just gotten pulled from the game. I was a rookie, so I didn't know the protocol there. I didn't know if I, if I fight and I get thrown out, does he come back in? Would he be mad at me? So I, I just got a roughing penalty, I think, with Cujo one night. All right, I got to know this. Wait, I got to know this, Emily. So, Brian, did you go the length of the ice to get him or did he go the length of the ice to challenge you with all the hoopla? Yeah, he came at me. There was a, a line brawl that started in my in our zone. We were down like 4-1 in the game in Toronto, and there was a delayed penalty. Cujo had gone to the Maple Leaf bench. I was just standing at the net watching the five-on-five <laughs> brawl take place. I think, I think one of their guys, I think Mike Johnson, was getting it pretty good from Luke Richardson. So Cujo decided, decided to come down, and then I was like, oh, I got to go after Cujo and – you know, nothing happened, though. We ended up being teammates later on and had a good chuckle about it in Phoenix. Uh, yeah, yeah. All good. All good. Awesome. Follow-up, Linda. Great journalistic. Okay, we'll put you <laughs> on the clock. Timer starts now. Guys in the box. 
the question we asked you, Brian, you watch so much hockey. And so we're curious as we gear up for the playoffs in a month, who are the five underrated players that will become superstars? These playoffs are just guys that are just about to burst onto the scene. Okay. I have, I have five guys and I, but I also have an honorable mention. Can I do that? Am I yes, you that? can. You know what? Weeksy, Weeksy had an honorable mention last week. And if we gave one to him, we're definitely giving one to you. He's All right. poor, Linda. <laughs> That's true. Okay. Uh, I will start. I, I try to narrow it down to every division. Um, in the Atlantic, I'm going to go with Mason Marchman. Mm. I love this guy. Uh, last year, I thought the first time I noticed him was in that series against Tampa Bay last year. He had two goals in that playoff series. He's followed it up with just an awesome season this year. Um, I'm a fan of the way he plays. He's, he's in your face. Uh, he's not afraid. He doesn't back down. He's a lot like his dad in that regard. Um, but he's got some skill and he's a late bloomer. He's just such a good story. So he's one of the guys that I think on a loaded Florida team, he might be a guy in a third line role that gets better matchups. He could produce. I think we're going to get to know his name, uh, these playoffs, um, central. I'm going to go with, and this kind of, I was saying, I was like, you got to go with Colorado, right? Because they're going to, you know, they're the favorite for everybody. But I said, no, I'm not going to do that. I said, I'm going to go with Minnesota. And I'm going to go with Kevin Fiala. And I don't know nice. if he falls into a category of like being a star just yet, but with 29 career playoff games, um, he's got some experience. He is an RFA. So he is making 5.1 million this year. So he's probably looking for, you know, a nice little, a nice little bump there and signing a long-term deal. Had a nice year. Um, he, you know, playing with Freddie Goudreau and or Boldy or it looked like he played with Joe's last night. I think that line, again, that could be a line that gets matchups favorably for them. And I think he's ready to bust out this year. Um, in the Pacific, I'm going to go with Evander Kane. I don't know if he's considered a star or if people even remember him, but I think he's got a lot to prove right now. Um, playoffs, he's only played twice in the playoffs with San Jose. 29 games, pretty good numbers, six goals, 13 points. Playing with McDavid, how can you not be a factor? They seem to be peaking right now at the right time. And he's a guy that, aside from all of the, you know, the, you know, the, the news that surrounds him, right, when he's playing his game, he is an effective player. And I think his style is suitable for playoffs. So Evander Kane is my guy in the Pacific Division. And now the Metro, this is where I'm asking for a little bit of, uh, a, a little bit of you know, uh, help with uh, the honorable mentions. I'm going to go New York Rangers to start. I'm going to go Frank Vetrano. Playing yeah. on the top line, good pickup. Guy rips the puck. I think he's excited. You know, you, you, know, you leave a team that was – everybody had so much hype about the, the, the Florida Panthers. You know, they, they, they move them. And on top of that, you know, and I, I forgot to mention, oh, Marchman's a UFA. So is Evander Kane a UFA. So there's a lot of motivation. Frank Vetrano is a UFA. A lot of motivation. So I think Vetrano, um, he's a guy we pay attention to Kreider and Zabanajad and Panarin, as we should. But Vetrano's a guy that could sneak under the radar and really have a, a big playoffs and help this team uh, this year. And then this is the one where I'm torn for my fifth one. I'm going to go with the veteran here for five, and then my honorable mention will be somebody else. Number five is Vincent Trocek, another UFA in Carolina. 
again, another guy that I think plays the game hard, just, you know, he's not going to, I just don't see him disappearing in the playoffs. I think he's going to be a guy that just brings it. And uh, he's had a nice season there in Carolina. I don't know what his future holds with the Hurricanes. Uh, He could move on, but I think he's going to be super motivated to have a great playoff so that he can get a, a real nice payday. So he's my five. And then my honorable mention is, is with the Carolina Hurricanes again. Uh, I'm going to go with a young guy who's underperformed this year that if he could really get it going, I think it could be dangerous. And that's Marty Natchez. I think if Marty Natchez can get going uh, and play the game the way Rod Brindamore wants him to play, this guy's got some talent and he could, he could get on a real heater and really help this team offensively. I think about him and I say, you know, he, he's an RFA as well and he, he's on his entry level deal, but he plays with Trocek and Svechnikov, right? So he plays with good players. And then I think about experience too. His first year pro when he came over here uh, to North America, won a Calder Cup uh, in Charlotte with the minor league team. So he's got some experience playing in the playoffs. That team's loaded. Uh, there's a lot of hype around that team. And if he can if he can be a guy who's underperformed all year, raise his game, Hurricanes could be tough to beat in the East. That's what I, I got. I love it. Your homework. I love you even more. If you have a vague question and you gave us the most diverse list of the possible, but there's a common theme. If you want to be a breakout star in these playoffs, you better be in a contract year. There you go. Thank you, Brian. We appreciate you. And we can catch you on the Rangers-Penguins broadcast Thursday night. Is that right? Yes, Rangers and Penguins. Big win. The Penguins have lost two in a row to these Rangers uh, in recent weeks. So uh, this is a big one for the Penguins. All right. Possible first-round playoff series. A little warm-up action. We appreciate it, Brian. Thanks so much. Good stuff. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. Another successful segment known as Five Minute Major. Thanks to Brian Boucher again for taking his time to share his insight. Emily, that'll do it for us. It shall. What are you up to next? What am I up to next? Uh, well, besides doing multitasking, hosting sports centers, um, I um, will be hosting uh, in the crease. And uh, yeah, make sure you just tune into ESPN Plus in the crease. Because you know what? I'm tired of looking on social media. And people tweeting at me and saying, Linda, what's with SportsCenter? They only show two hockey highlights. Or Linda, I only saw hockey on top plays. And every time I tell them, tune into In the Crease on ESPN+, Plus, every highlight of every game after the final whistle. What do you got? I've got no clapback like that. All I can tell you is that I'll be back <laughs> in Pittsburgh this weekend. Uh, Cats, Penguins, ABC, 3 p.m. Eastern on Saturday. Everyone loves Caps pens. It's always a good game. The Caps got to win, though. They don't look good lately. Yeah, no, they're, they'll be one and done. Here's the deal. I'm already there. One and done. Goodbye. A uh, <laughs> couple of things. Uh, Rangers, as we speak, just two points behind Carolina. Speaking of teams that better get their act together, the Hurricanes and your boy Rob the Bot. And the other thing. I'll take him as my boy. You, you call a lot of guys my boy. He'll be my boy. I think he'd like that. Pittsburgh. Have you gone to Pamela's yet and had some pancakes? The greatest place ever. I honestly, this year I haven't been. I know exactly what Pamela's is. It's where everyone recommends for breakfast in Pittsburgh. And now I'm craving it and I'll be there Saturday morning. You better be. I want pictures. Okay, now I'm definitely have to go. (laughs) 